you know, I'm watching some of you. You're more into that than the worship almost or so that music. You get into that, right? Some of you like that. Grab the study guide that's in your program real quick. As uh, we are continuing our series called Economic Atheists, we're going to start this morning uh, from a proverb. Proverbs 13, verse 10 says this, those who take advice are wise. It's a very basic life principle that if you want to get ahead in life, if you want to be successful, it's important to listen to others. It's important to get advice and receive from others to, to build into particular areas of your life. But having said that, you also want to be careful who you listen to with respect to what type of advice. So if you want advice on computers, you don't really want to come to me, right? And so you kind of you have to pick and choose who, who you go to for certain types of advice. So let me give you some suggestions. For example, if you want singing advice, you're probably going to go to uh, Celine Dion instead of Steph Curry, right? But if you want to learn how to shoot a jump shot, it's going to be Steph Curry, right? If you want home decorating advice, you're probably going to go with the Property Brothers, right? If you want to learn how to write a rap song or finish your rap song, it's going to go with Snoop Dogg, right? If you want hairstyle advice, you're, you're probably going to go with the, with the good-looking guy, David Beckham. If you want social media advice, Donald's good with the Twitter, isn't he? He is so good with that. If, uh, if you want cooking advice, you're probably going to go with Gordon Ramsay, right? I don't know. Have you guys ever watched any of his cooking shows? He gets really upset when you don't make a good risotto or scallops. Gets really upset if you overcook the scallops. He's going to help you with that. But if you want financial advice, you're probably going to go with Warren Buffett. I don't know if you guys know who Warren Buffett is, but he's an absolute financial genius when it comes to the area of investments and money and finances. Uh, one of the smartest men alive that has most contributed in the last 20, 30, 40 years when it comes to this whole idea of finances and money. Now, the reason I, I'm, I'm kind of going in this direction is not only what Proverbs 13 said, uh, but also, I don't, I don't know if you noticed in your study guide this morning, the, the subject matter or the title of today's study is called Advice from the, from the Bible's Warren Buffett. Uh, except that in the Bible, his name was Solomon. Solomon, when he lives, is the richest man alive. He, I, I mean, if you're going to get advice for someone when it comes to finances, someone who, who has made wealth and managed wealth uh, is probably someone you want to you get advice on. He also happens to write a book, a book by the name of, it's called Proverbs. And in this book, it's just kind of life wisdom for all kinds of different subjects. But because of his expertise in the area of finances, when you read through Proverbs, he has a lot to say about economics and about finances. So today, all we're going to do is look at his book, Proverbs. We're going to look at and see what Solomon has to teach us about finances. Because like I said, if you're going to listen to someone on finances, Warren Buffett or Solomon is someone who you want to listen to. So if you grab your study guide, because of Proverbs, by the way, you're jumping around. Each verse is, is a different topic. I put as many of them as I could in your study guide or on the screen. So you're going to grab that if, even if you don't take notes. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Get an umbrella before it pours. Get an umbrella before it pours. We use the phrase, when it rains, it it pours. It's the idea that when you're referring to life, it, when, when bad things happen, have you noticed they seem to happen back to back to back, right? So, uh, you know, everybody is healthy at work and no one's been sick for a year. And then all of a sudden in one week, six people get the flu and they're out, right? When it rains, it pours. 
Uh, or, you know, you're, you're at work and, and you don't have any phone calls, you don't have any customers uh, all morning, and then all of a sudden, seven to ten people show up at once. You know, when it rains, it pours. Fi- 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 when it comes to finances, everything's going great with your finances. But then in one week, your car transmission goes out and you've got to replace that. And the, the fridge dies and you've got to replace that. You have emergency root canal surgery and you don't have dental insurance to cover that. And you lose your cell phone, so you have to buy a new one, right? When it rains, it pours. And the, uh, the point is that is coming for you somewhere down the road in a month, six months or a year. So you've got to get an umbrella. You've got to start putting some money aside and prepare for that emergency and or prepare or plan for a big purchase that's coming. Let me show you what Solomon has to say about this. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, he says the wise. I'm assuming if you want to pick between wise and not wise, you want wise. The wise store up and save choice food and olive oil, right? Uh, if financial experts and economists will say and advise us, we need a minimum of three months up to five, six months of reserves and in income just to be pre- prepared and ready. Wise people work and try and figure out a way to get that savings, right? He goes on in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, whoever gathers money little by little. Well, how do you do that? It's called saving. Whoever gathers money little by little can make it grow. And then Proverbs chapter six, verse six and eight, take a lesson from the ants. Do what they do, right? They, they, they labor, they work hard all summer gathering and saving food for the winter because the ant knows that during the winter time, I'm not going to be able to go out and find food. So I got to save it and prepare. Do at least what the ant does. So I guess the question I have for you is, do you have a financial umbrella? Have you prepared and set some money aside so that when it rains on you financially, you're ready? Do you have an umbrella? Maybe the better question is, is how big is your umbrella, right? So some of you, some of you are pretty good at finances. You put some money aside for a while and you got a nice side financial umbrella. You are ready to roll, right? Some of you are like, I want to golf, right? Because this is the golf umbrella, right? You're ready to golf, right? Some of you are ready. And when it rains financially, your umbrella is big enough for you and to put your spouse in and to squeeze your kids in. And for the most part, you're not going to get wet. It's going to rain financially, but you guys are going to be okay. You've gone out of your way for the last how long to prepare and to save. Some of you are ready. Some of you maybe are, are you're, you're not so ready. I mean, you've put some aside, but, but not, not that much aside, you know? So you have... You have maybe enough for you, but there's no room for your spouse, for sure, not the kids, right? So you have a little bit set aside, but you don't have that much set aside, right? It's an umbrella financially, but, but not too much. And, and, and then there, there's, there's, actually, there's actually some of us, well, we don't have much, much at all. That makes me want to have a Mai Tai. I want a Mai Tai. <laughs> this is what you got, Right? It's interesting. Uh, the average Japanese worker saves 25% of their income. They're ready. The average European saves 15% of their income. The average American saves minus 20% of their income. <laughs> and it's really not that funny. It's sad, right? You know what that means? It means we are spending a buck 20 for every dollar we earn. You want to know what that means visually? It means this. It means that. That's what you got. This is it. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, pastor. No, that's really, that's a good visual. 
Uh, you're, you're, you are right. I need to get better at saving. And, but you don't understand. You know, I, I can barely make ends meet right now, and, and I'm tight, and we've gone through that one situation, and so I can't do that right. But I promise you, next year, we'll, I promise you we'll start doing it next year. And, and as someone who cares about you, loves you, just take it from your pastor. I don't believe you. I don't believe you can't do it now. And I'm going to give you an example, right, uh, that, that goes to your motive in terms of how hard you're willing to try to save. Every time I teach on finances, I ask a variety of the same question every time. And you watch how quickly you change your mind. If tomorrow morning you go to Kaiser because your daughter, your son has a bad cough and the, the, the doctor listens to their heart, listens to their chest, they do some blood work. The doctor comes back and says, I am so sorry to tell you this, but your child has a very serious illness. And it, 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 it is such that um, uh, in January of next year, your, your kid's going to need some medication, very expensive medication. And it, unfortunately, it is not covered by your, by your medical plan. And uh, so it's going to cost you out of pocket between four and $5,000. And if you don't give your kid that medication, your child is going to be in deep, deep trouble. How many of you could figure out a way between now and next January to come up with $4,000? You see what I mean? See how quickly things changed? Now, some of, I know what some of you parents are doing, right? Well, which kid are you talking about? Because it just depends on who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm more motivated on that one. <laughs> right? Ah, if it's just life, I can't do it. But now I start pulling on your heartstrings. You could figure out a way, sell stuff, save stuff. You'd figure out a way to come up with four or $5,000. And my point is trying to encourage you, you need to try harder. You need to be motivated more to figure this out and get there, right? See, here's one of the things that, that we need to learn. Saving can and should be as fun as, as spending. Saving can and should be as fun as spending. Now, some of you are having trouble with that statement. You want to know why? It's based upon the home you grew up in. When grandma and grandma gave you money for birthdays or for Christmas, what your parents told you or encouraged you to do with that money is very much so what you've learned and taken into your adult years. And if the first thing mom and dad was take you to Toys R Us to spend that money, a lot of us grow up to be spenders. Sometimes, though, mom and dad said, well, maybe you should put it and save it because then when you want a big whatever, it's amazing how much this is learned. Amazing how much this is learned. Now, because some of us are struggling with this, how about this one? This one I think we'll agree with a little bit more. Choosing to save requires much more maturity than spending. You know, would you agree with that? More self-control, more discipline, right? We're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to get there. You, now, I'm gonna, I, the advice I'm giving you today, I just want to be clear. I have a business degree, but it's not my advice today. I'm giving you either Solomon or I've done a lot of research this week and looked at financial advisors, both Christian and, and secular, in terms of how to help in the area of finances. I'm going to give you a list of how to save. I'm going to show you how tomorrow morning, if you wanted to, I'm going to give you some hard choices. If you wanted to, you could start saving immediately. You ready? Here we go. Here's the list. Number one, start drinking tap water instead of bottled water. Chemically, we know it's the same thing. Start eating at home more than you eat out. Start drinking coffee that you brew at home instead of coffee you buy at Starbucks. Now you say, well, I really like Starbucks. Then buy the beans and make it at home. Just that saves you a ton of money. Okay. Minimize or eliminate dry cleaning. I was amazed. I didn't know this. I started talking to my wife about this. Uh, It was on three or four lists. Apparently, 
brand new washing machines or newer washing machines, the way they're made, if you take items that we're taking to the dry cleaners, those same items, you wash it in cold water and let it air dry, it's almost identical to taking it to the dry cleaner. So that cost that, that you and I spend on whatever, shirts, blouses, whatever, I'm just saying you might want to reconsider that. Here's one that you know. Never grocery shop without a list. You knew that one, right? Did you know this one? Never grocery shop without a hunger with a hungry husband. That you don't want to do because you will have a big cart, right? The next one is rethink your cable plan. Some of you have stations you're not watching. Re, you lower it. You're not watching those channels. Sell stuff that you have in your garage. Some of those toys you bought that you're not using anymore or whatever, sell them, okay? Make your own gifts. Stop smoking. It's very expensive, not to mention it's not good for your health, okay? Uh, um, Eat leftovers. When you do go out, you know, you don't eat that plate for $19 that they gave you at Applebee's. You take some of it home with you, eat it. Make that a meal, okay? If you never go to the gym, cancel the membership, You're spending 80 bucks on nothing. Oh, I'm going to go. No, you're not. Just cancel it. Okay. (laughs) Brown bag your lunch. Try generic bands. Stick to fuel efficient cars. Consider buying used cars. Some of us have to have the maturity instead of buying a brand new, super cool new car is take what we have and buy a lesser, not so cool used vehicle. You can afford that more, not to mention the insurance. I told you it's not easy, but you can do it. Always, always ask for fees to be waived. It's amazing. So you say, well, that's just not my personality. Well, start. It's amazing how when you just ask, a lot of times they will waive a fee. And the number one, by far, not even close, every financial advisor will tell you, you want to start saving? Here's what, here's, we'll do it every single time. You ready? Here it comes. Pay in cash. Stop using your credit card. Every time. Everyone says it. I get it. We are moving towards a cashless society, but we're not there yet, right? Last time I checked, when you go to Sears, you can still pay in cash, right? When you go to a restaurant, you can still pay in cash. Start doing that for everything. Start doing that. Watch what happens. It's interesting. Secular researchers, not even Christians. I looked at four projects, four research projects. They all say the same three things. When you pay in cash, Instead of credit card, three things are true. Number one, for whatever reason, they can't even completely figure it out. But number one, we always tend to buy healthier products. I don't know why, but we do. Number two, when you pay in cash, you always enjoy what you purchase much more than when you paid on credit. And number three, when you pay in cash instead of credit card, you spend a minimum of 30% less. Do you know why? Because when you're at the mall and you're buying that $70 pair of shoes, it's so easy to put it on credit. But when you got to put $70 on the counter, much harder to do. You have to really think through, do I really want that pair of shoes? Now, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus here. I'm trying to help you. And some of us don't have an umbrella. Some of us, our umbrella is too tiny. You need to start. And by the way, I, I could care less what the Warren Buffetts of the world say. What I care is what this book says. And this book tells us, be wise, start saving. Get ready, okay? Second thing that we need to work on. Second thing is this. You need to learn to put your money where your faith is. Put your money where your faith is. We would say, put your money where your mouth is, right? Put up or shut up. Solomon would say just a little bit different. Solomon would say it like this. He would say, what you do with your money, whether you give or not, and how much you give 
says as much about your faith and the condition of your soul as almost anything else. That's what Solomon would say. In the book of Proverbs, he encourages us to give in two areas. One, he encourages us to give to God. Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. I was in Texas several years ago, saw a bumper sticker. The bumper, stick said, bumper sticker said, tithe if you love Jesus. I thought it was cute, but the more I thought about it, I, I disagreed with it. Tithing has little to nothing to do with whether you love him, has everything to do with whether you're going to obey him and whether you trust him. That's what it really comes down to. Now, I, you know, I've, I grew up in church, and most of the times when we have finances series in church, this is all we would talk about it. Uh, you know, giving, giving, giving. I don't want, hopefully you've seen in this series I'm not doing that. And that's all I want to talk about today about it. We're not going to talk about it anymore. What I want to emphasize is the next one. I don't think we realize how much giving to the poor and the needy is emphasized in Scripture. Let's put those verses up on the screen. Solomon says it over and over and over again. Psalm 19, verse 17, he says this. Great visual. If you help the poor, you're actually lending to God and he will repay you. You know, when we, when we lend money to that person at work, we, not, we don't always get it back. This visual, when you're giving to the poor, helping the poor, it's like lending to God. And I think you can count on him paying you back. Proverbs 22, verse 9, the generous share their food with the poor. Proverbs 28, verse 27, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. And then probably the most interesting one is in Proverbs 21, verse 13. Solomon says this and he puts it all together. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor. Every time you see a homeless person, you don't do anything. Every time you hear someone in need, you don't do anything. When we shut our ears to the cry of the poor, when they also cry out, they will not be answered. And what Solomon is saying is this, is that every time that we see someone in need, if we every time don't help them, someday when you need help, someday when you cry to God for help, he will respond to you the same way you've been responding to the poor. Now, I don't know about you, but that catches my attention. So I guess what I want to ask you is this. You know, you can't help everyone, can you? And nor should you. My friends at the rescue mission say, you know, sometimes you see certain people in certain situations and they're asking you for money. The worst thing you can do is give them money. Unfortunately, one or two out of 10 are going to use it for food, but the other eight are going to use it for alcohol or something they don't want. They say, don't give them money. So you can't help everybody, but that's not an excuse not to help anyone. So let me ask you, when's the last time you bought a bag of groceries for someone in your apartment complex you knew needed some help? When's the last time, you know, we drive, there's certain areas in our communities, you drive by someone, you, you see a homeless person. When's the last time you went to Subway and came back with a footlong and gave it to them? When's the last time you, you gave financially to an organization that specializes in helping folks that are needy? Now, by the way, when you give in your offering, um, part of that goes to organizations that help in this area. But I, don't just always lean on your church. Are you doing this individually? And I, as your pastor, I want to encourage you to give, not, not just during offering time. This is a part of what we should do. Now, I had a little extra space in my notes, so you'll notice on the second page. On the second page, I've given you three organizations that we as a church have vetted and we would recommend, and they specialize in this area, spreading the love of Jesus, Bay Area Rescue Mission, and Meals on Wheels. And I would just say, if you've not done this in a while, maybe it's just kind of been in the back of your mind, maybe think about writing them a $25 check or something, you know? Make this part of who you are, a person of compassion, a person of care. When you see people that need, you do your little part when you can, okay? So we've talked about getting an umbrella. You need to save. We've talked about giving and emphasize, give to the needy and give to the poor. Well, we're going to spend the rest of our time 
is focusing on this last one. Don't let money burn a hole in your pocket. Don't let money burn a hole in your pocket. That, that's the, an, ex, an expression of the idea that you know, some of us, when we have money in our pocket, right? We have it, we spend it. We have it, we spend it. We have it, we got to spend it, right? We, we, have, we don't have the discipline to not spend it, right? Look at what Solomon says. Proverbs 21, verse 20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. They don't have the discipline to keep it back. Now, in your study guide, you'll notice there's a chart. It's really like a worksheet. Now, I've given that to you. You, you need to fill this out. You, here's my question for you. Do you know where your money's going to? And if not, why not? If you're struggling in the area of finance, now there's some apps that are, that are out there that you could do that, but you need to figure out how much am I spending in these different categories. Notice that each of the categories have ranges. They have ranges based upon your stage in life, based upon where you live, based upon how big your family is, all based upon your preferences, right? I want to spend more here, but I'm going to spend less here. You want to be in that range. And if you're above that range, you need to restructure and refigure out, right? So let me just go through a couple of these with you. Notice the first one, giving. You need to be between 4 and 10%. You said, well, you mean we can be? I thought the 10% was what the Bible says. That's what I think it says. Where does the 4% come from? Do you know that secular financial advisors, secular, they don't even believe in Jesus, recommend a minimum of 4% giving to charity? Secular people as being part of having a healthy lifestyle and healthy when it comes to finances. Then it comes savings, 4 to 10%, housing, 25 to 35%. That depends on, again, size of your family, where you live. In this part of the country, it's much more expensive to live than like a, you know, I don't know, Minnesota or something. But of course, this is much prettier than Minnesota, right? But if you're from Minnesota, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that in a bad way. It was just kind of slipped out. Uh, utilities, food, 5 to 15%. Depends if you got teenagers, it's more like 17%. And, you know, it's just different ranges. You need to figure this out. Now, here's the, here's the key. Here's the thing. When you, do, and some of us are really good and really careful about budgets, and every once in a while you should do it. Figure out what am I spending on what. But here's the thing. Every once in a while you can have your budget and this is going to get you in trouble. Spending habits can get you in trouble. Would you agree? Let me give you the top 10 spending habits that will mess you up. Now, I'm going to go through them with you. We're going to put them on the screen. I want you to self-identify which one of these do you struggle with. You see, realize what we're going? Here we go. Let's talk about these. Entertainment spending. Have you ever, ever had one of these conversations? I'm bored. What should we do? I know. Let's go to the outlets. Have you ever done that? You know why? Because going to the outlets is fun. Shopping is fun, right? Sandy and I, we just got to tag along with my sister to Paris and to Barcelona. You want to know what we did in Paris and Barcelona? We shopped because shopping can be a lot of fun, right? The question is, do you have the discipline to shop, but not let it consume your budget? That's the question. And for some of us, we get way off track real quickly. The next one is status spending. Oh my goodness. Did you see the new car they got? We need a new car. You know, Jack and Sally, look at that brand new car. You realize you don't realize Jack and Sally are broke. If you buy the car that they got, you're going to be broke too. The next one is, is your hobby. Hobby spending. What is your hobby? Think about it real quick. uh, My hobby, golf, sports. You can, oh my goodness, just that could get you all kinds in trouble, right? It could be crafts. It could be motorcycles. It could be cars. It could be photography. It could be movies. It could be music. I don't care what it is. If, you, if you're into movies, 
Do you really need to buy every DVD if you have a, a subscription to Netflix? If you're into music, do you really need 15,000 songs on your iPod? At some point in time, you have to have, realize that your hobby is messing up your entire financial system. And you've got to be so careful with that. The next one, I don't have anything to wear. Really, David, you're going to do that on Mother's Day? On Mother's Day, we're going to talk about that one. It's not just a, a women problem. You know that, right? Let me ask all of you. Have you ever gone to your closet uh, and find something you bought four months ago and it still has the tags on it? Oh, snap. If that was you, prayer room's right over there. Afterwards, you're going to want to stop by, okay? The next one is favorite team. Okay, here, sports, if you're like me. Question, do we really need more Niner gear, Raider gear, A's gear, Giants gear, Warriors gear? Do we? Right? Okay, you right there. That's the problem right there. A little finances right there. Pray for that husband right there. Huh? Oh, you see, Pastor, you don't understand. You know, when the Warriors win in a, in a month or so, you know, I want the hat that has the 2018 and the, I want that right there. And Steph Curry right here is number. You've got 17 hats. At some point in time, you don't need any more. And it's jacking up your finances. Oh, look at this next one. This is, the next one is good. David, look at how much I saved on these pair of shoes. $45 I saved. No, you spent $70, right? Sandy, ah, I came across a deal. I was at Costco and they were selling 50 gallon drums of jalapenos for 160 bucks. We'll never need jalapenos again. But you can go to Safeway and buy a jar for $4. You know, and that sale word and that deal, it just, you know, they just start and all of a sudden they got you and it's over with, right? Compulsive shopping, compulsive spending. This is much more serious. This is when you shop to cope with unmet needs. This is when you shop to medicate your pain. This is when you shop to cover crisis. This is when you shop as an escape mechanism. It's very real. Many of us has been consumed with that. And at some point in time, if you find yourself in that cycle, you got to figure out a way out because it's creating other problems on top of whatever else you're struggling with. These next two actually go together. Too much stingy and too much splurging. You go, wait a minute. I thought this whole section is like trying to encourage us to spend less. No, not necessarily. In some cases, if you go cheap, it will cost you more in the long run. You know that, right? Let me give you some areas, and this is what financial people tell us. If you go cheap in these categories, it will actually cost you more in the long run. Here we go. Cheap laptop, cheap car maintenance, cheap LASIK surgery. <laughs> sorry, I can't see. I'm sorry. That should be funny, but it is to me. Uh, cheap contractor and a cheap lawyer. You go cheap in these areas, it's going to cost you more in the long run. Now, the, the flip side is too much splurging. We don't have the capacity to do that. What you want to learn is like a swing. I'm going to splurge on this one item, and then I'm going to be super cheap and frugal and careful over here. And then I'm going to stretch and splurge, and, we go a little, and then I'm going to be cheap over here. And now some of you are going, I don't even have, I, I can never splurge on anything. And let me say this. If you're one of those families that's super tight, yes, you're going to have to be very careful on your housing, very careful on your vehicle, very careful with clothes. You might have to do hand-me-downs. But don't be that family that is frugal, cheap, and careful on everything. For example, learn to splurge on ice cream when you go out with the kids. You create an atmosphere in your family if you're always frugal, tight, careful. Well, that's not a good purchase. There's, I, no, I know. Yeah, $4 for an ice cream chrome is probably a little too much. But you know what? 
I can afford $4 if I was really, really careful in the car I bought. So be careful with the atmosphere you're creating. Let me say about splurging. The biggest thing is be, if you are careful on the house you buy and the vehicle you drive, it's much easier to then splurge, right? If you're careful with that, splurge in everyday items. The point is you can't do both. And some of us are caught in these worlds and, it, and it's hurting us. It's killing us. This next one, goodness gracious me, Christmas spending. Some of us are still paying off our Christmas gifts. Some of us way overspend on Christmas family and kids way overspend, right? And you do know research has been done by psychologists and sociologists, and they have all this research that they then give to department stores so that they know how to get more money out of this. You know that, right? Yes, you know that, right? You want to know? First thing they do, you ready? Here's what it does. Hit it, Maurice. That's it right there. By the way, they don't play Christmas music with lyrics. No, and they dim the lights. Isn't that nice? Doesn't want to make you go shopping right now, does it, right? Then, watch, then they light a candle. Pine, cinnamon, gingerbread, right? They use the number nine a lot, $49.99, $79.99, $199, right? Because I don't want to spend $200, but I'll spend $199. They put all their high-profit margin items right at eye level. They hide all the clearance. Literally, they hide the clearance items. They put things in gift sets, and before you know it, you just spent $300 at Macy's. Some of you right now, we keep this music playing right after church. You're going to head over to Ross. That's what's going to happen. Okay, we can stop, right? You, you get my point, right? Okay, we can have fun with this. Let's get serious real quick. Some of us don't have a money problem. Some of us have a lifestyle problem. We have a spending problem. And again, I'm telling you this because, I, you know, some of you, the last 10, 15 minutes, you want this section to end. And it's because you're struggling in this area. And you need to struggle out of it, right? Here's, here's two things that we need to learn. Write this down. Number one, we need to learn to act our wage. Does that make sense? If you, if you don't earn it, you can't spend it. It's just that simple. And let me add something and say something specifically to the younger couples, younger families. Don't try and act your parents' wage. They're in their 50s, 60s or whatever. They're at high capacity earning potential. What they can afford for furniture, flat screen TV, vehicles and vacations is not what you can afford. Stop trying to live their life. You can afford this. You can't afford that. It's called entitlement. You're going to have to jump through some hoops. You just haven't heard all the hoops that they jumped through. You didn't see the couch that they sat on for years. Okay, don't act someone else's wage, act yours. Second thing is learn to admire without having to acquire. Does that make sense? When you go to someone's house, a friend, instead of being jealous and coveting what they have, be happy for them. Have the maturity to be happy for them. When you go to the mall and you see something you didn't think and realize you needed, but once you saw it, oh my goodness, I need it. I want that. Have the maturity to admire it and go, that is so cool. And also the maturity to not acquire it. That's what it comes down to. You have to learn to do those two things. Let me tell you the most important word you need to learn. You guys ready? It's the word no. When it comes to spending, that's the word you need to learn. No. We're going to practice. On the count of three, we're all going to say no. One, two, three. No. Okay, some of you didn't say it like you meant it. One, two, three. No. Here we go. Ready? Stay with me. 
Do you really need that new furniture? Do you really need new golf clubs every summer? Do you really need a new phone every year? Guys, do you really need that new power tool? Ladies, do you really need those new shoes? I'm sorry. I went went too far. That was wrong of me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We're having fun, but guys, we got to get this. We have got to get this. We've got to grow in this area. Now, if you don't learn the principles that are on the screen, here's what's going to happen. When you go to the mall and when you see something really cool that you like, but you don't have the money for it, you're going to pull that sucker out. The magic of the credit card allows you to have what you really can't afford. Now, it would be wrong for me to talk to you about finances and especially spending without talking to you about credit spending. You have to understand what Solomon and what the Bible are teaching when it comes to credit. Now, the answer is, what does the Bible think about debt or credit? The answer is, it depends. Let me show you. Let's put it on the screen. When it comes to appreciable, appreciating items, an appreciating item is something like education. You, when you want to go to a university, you've got to take out a student loan. But that's okay because the theory is, is if you get that education, it puts you in a position to earn more. That education and knowledge grows in value. When you buy a house or real estate, I realize we went through a, a blip a couple years ago, but a house grows in value. So you have to take out this massive loan to pay for this house or pay for this condo. But over time and over the years, that value increases, right? And so the Bible actually is okay with that kind of debt. Listen to me carefully. Actually encourages in some cases encourages you know why they call it why they encourage it it's called leveraging your money that's why because even though you're spending money you don't have for a house or for education you're leveraging your money so that you actually end up further ahead down the road now the flip side of the coin is this when it comes to depreciating items these are items that go down in value over time like golf clubs and like a flat screen and like furniture And like a car, you know this, you take a car, you drive a new car off the car lot, it loses three to four thousand dollars just like that. Just like that. Within two years, it loses 40% of its value. Just like that. It's a depreciating item, but we all need it. Now, here's the key. When we go into credit and debt spending for something that is going down in value, the Bible, and more specifically, God frowns on it. I want you to imagine God frowning when we are purchasing items on credit that are depreciating value. Now, I did not say the Bible says it's sinful. It, it could be, by the way, depending on certain attitudes, depending on certain spending habits, depending on whether you're giving or saving or not. It could be. But the big idea is buying on credit for a depreciating item. The Bible frowns on it. You know, one of the biggest lies our generation has believed. I was talking to some of, you know, Bill Davis. Bill Davis is in charge of our finance team. Uh, committee here at the church he with several cpas and high finance people they're super smart last time he was at a car dealership to buy the car the salesman actually literally told him this you know what you just need to get accustomed to living with a car payment all the time that's a lie you shouldn't get accustomed to living with a car payment what you should do is like i said instead of a car payment sometimes buy a car that you can afford for cash or if you can't do that and you have to have a car payment right When the car payment is done, 
right? When it's done, instead of taking that $400 and spend it on something else, no, take that $400 and put it in an umbrella over here because eventually that car is going to die and you're going to need another one. So when you show up to the car dealership again, you show up with cash, you watch how they tap dance around that price. That is what the Bible says about depreciating credit, depreciating debt spending. It frowns on it. Now, let me show you why. Look at the last sheet. The last sheet. There's four reasons why Solomon says buying on credit, going into debt for furniture is not smart. It's not wise. Number one is it causes stress, lowers joy. How many of you, when you get your visa statement, are so excited to open it up? Oh, my goodness. What's in it this month? Do you ever do that? We hate, some of us will not open it for several days. Be honest. I don't even want to see what's in there. Now look at what Proverbs says. Solomon says in Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. He adds no sorrow to it. So if your possessions, if your purchases are causing you stress and sorrow, somewhere, somehow you're off in your financial spending as it overlaps with what scripture says. It's just that simple. The second is that makes us makes you a slave to the creditor. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So this is what Solomon would say. You know, we tell him, yeah, no, I work as a mechanic. I work as a teacher. I work at Chevron. I work at BioRad. I work as a police officer. I work in the medical field. I work as a pastor, whatever you do. And Solomon said, not too quick. That's what you do 40 hours a week. But you have a second job. You're also working for Best Buy because you haven't paid off the flat screen yet. You also work for Honda because you're paying off the Accord. You also work for Macy's because you bought a couch from them you haven't paid off completely. Not to mention everything that's on your visa if you don't pay it off every month. And you're enslaved to these other corporations that you're working for you just don't even realize. They're making money off of you. The next one is it, it's just it's not good business. It's not financially wise. You know, there's when you're sitting down with a car salesman, they will never tell you the total cost of what you're going to spend. They, they don't want to go there. They have to tell you if you ask them. You know why? Because the average car, when you buy new, the car dealership will make under a hundred bucks in profit from a new car. You want to know how much they make if you put it on credit? Almost 500. That's, that's their business. It's not really cars. It's the financing of cars. That's how they make their money. And this is what God says to his people in the Old Testament. Look at Deuteronomy 28, 12. Lend to many nations. Hey, it's a great deal. You want to make money on other? It's easy money. You charge them a couple interest points. Lend to money to other people, other nations. But don't borrow from anyone. Think about that. God says to his, I don't want you borrowing from anyone. Why? It's not good business. If you look at what you're actually spending on the flat screen, the furniture, the car, if you look at the total cost, it's staggering. It's why the salesman has no problem knocking $200 off the couch if you put it on credit. That's the, they're going to make their money that way. And the last one, and I'm going to be as tender and as tactful as I can, but it possibly suggests maturity and character flaws. So follow me on this one. This is the Apostle Paul, Galatians chapter 5. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Now watch. Let's pick two of them. Let's pick patience and self-control. 
If I look at an item and I determine that's the flat screen TV that I want, but I can't afford it. If I don't have patience to wait until I can afford it. If I'm at the mall and I see something that I really, really want, but I don't have the self-discipline and self-control to not buy it because I don't have the money. If I don't have patience and I don't have self-control when it comes to my purchases, it then means that I don't have the fruit of the spirit when it comes to those two areas or that area of finances. If I don't have the fruit of the spirit when it comes to finances, if I don't have that fruit of patience and self-control, what that means is that I'm not as filled with the Holy Spirit as I think I am. And if I'm not as filled with the Holy Spirit as I think I am, I'm not under as God's control the way I should be. And one domino hits another, and this is where you end up. That's why week after, I keep telling you the same thing. This is as much a series about discipleship as it is about finances. You're here because you want to grow in Christ. Can I, te- can I tell you one way to do that? Get a handle of your finances. Work. I know it's hard, but work at patience and work at self-control. You know how God is helping you be more godly? He's helping you be more godly by what you do with this. That's it. That's, he's been giving you practice to be patient and show self-control and exert discipline to not purchase items you can't afford. Not yet. Okay. Let's end it this way. I have it for you on the screen. It, you, you can by accident get into debt, but you'll never by accident get out of debt. Would you agree with that? We've always been in situations where you start making money, you think you can afford it, or you get into an emergency. Before you know it, you got this debt, and, and then it starts to snowball, and you get in trouble. It's very easy to get into debt. Much harder to get out of it. Much harder. You've got to be intent, militant about getting out of debt. Solomon, our expert this morning, has something to say about getting out of debt. He says this in Proverbs chapter six. We're going to end with this. If you've put up security for a friend's debt, agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger. If you've trapped yourself by the debt of an agreement, follow my advice and save yourself. And you need to understand in the Hebrew, there is energy and passion when he says you need to save yourself. I want you to swallow your pride. Interesting. He says that because so much of our finances comes down to this swallow your pride, go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you get out of debt is what he's trying to tell you. And then he gives this phrase, save yourself. Same phrase again, save yourself. This illustration, like a gazelle escaping from, from its hunter. I want you to watch this short video and then we'll wrap up our study. Here's what Solomon would say. Solomon would say this, what, what the lion is to the gazelle, debt is to you and your family. Just that simple. And you need to understand, debt is hunting you down. Debt will never, ever, ever stop chasing you. You know how we know that? It's called the billion-dollar advertising industry that will continually try and convince you if you have this pair of jeans, you'll be happy. If you drive this kind of car, you'll be happy. If you have this kind of makeup, you'll be happy. And they keep advertising and try and convince us. They will keep continuing to convince us to get certain products, even if it means going into debt. And here's the key that you need to understand. Either you will eliminate and destroy debt or it will destroy you. You you do know I could have picked a different video this morning. I went into YouTube, lions chasing gazelles. The one right after this, the ending was very, very different. 
how was church today on Mother's Day? Oh, pastor showed this great video where the lion got the gazelle. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to do that this morning. But that's what debt is doing to some of us, isn't it? By the way, did you know that 50% of all divorces in this country, 50%, one of the major contributing factors is disagreement over spending and finances. Don't tell me that finances, debt spending, and credit isn't doing what you just saw on the screen. You got to get a handle on it. You got to work on it. So here's how we're going to wrap it up. Let's put it up there. I'm over. Let's have the worship team come up. Pick one of these words. I need you to pick one of these words. Ready? I want you to calculate. I want you to go home. I want you to take one of these suckers. I want you to take the little worksheet. I want you to figure out how much you're spending on different items. Just that will help you figure, oh my goodness, I got to lower this and so on and so forth. The next, I want you to talk, uh, talk, discuss it with your spouse. Please don't argue with your spouse. Please don't blame your spouse. Please don't get defensive. You, some, some of you got to own up. Some of the mess you're in as a family is your spending. So let, dialogue, talk about it, figure it, 15, 20 minutes and figure out what are we going to do to improve, right? You're a, you're a family, make your family better. The next is pray. Just on, I, God, give me discipline. Give me patience. Give me self-control. I haven't been as good at that as I need to, okay? The last two, you see, some of you got to get an umbrella, Start saving and start doing it today. Maybe you heard one of those things. Okay, I'm willing to do that, right? Or start giving today, right? Pick one of those. Do you have one of those that you're going to do? Yes? I need you to nod to me if you pick one of them. Yes? I see you nodding. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up our service with an offering. Normally, when we have an offering at Bait Hills, we wrap it up with a, with a worship song. Today, we're going to do something very, very different. I hope it's all right. Uh, go ahead, Maurice, hit it. So it's... Ushers are lighting candles right now. We'll see how this works out. Okay, I'm done. I'm just messing with you. Uh, By the way, completely side note, I'm proud of you. No, yeah, no, we're really done with it. We don't have to keep going. Um, I'm really proud of you for your giving for Kelly Kosky and his leg, his prosthetic leg. You guys were awesome. We raised uh, all the money he needed, which was way well over $4,000. And so he's getting it fixed that month. So good on you guys. Proud of you guys. Let's stand. We'll sing one song and the ushers will come down.